Raising children offers us an opportunity to do some massive personal growth work. How do we start to heal generational trauma? Where do we even begin? Today's guest is going to show us the way. Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com. And we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order. Because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. Stay tuned. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Both of us, Jen and I, have a passion to provide you with the information, the critical things that you need to know about raising boys. We each do that in different ways. Jen offers you the Building Boys Bulletin. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I think it's phenomenal. She curates articles and information, videos, statistics, everything you need to know about what is going on for boys today. And she puts them all together in a newsletter that comes to your inbox every Monday. It's the first email I open because I know I will read something that informs me and inspires me for the week ahead. Building Boys Bulletin, Go to buildingboys.net and click the subscribe button for a low monthly fee. You can get that email every single Monday. That is Building Boys Bulletin. And my passion is to talk with you, to support you, to coach you as directly as possible. My group program, Decoding Your Boys, Less Yelling, More Connecting, enables us to connect live on Zoom twice each month. We talk about a specific topic that you wonder and worry about. Boys and anger, boys and video games, how to get him to listen. We've talked about it. I answer your questions directly and live on our group call twice each month. Go to boysalive.com slash decode and you will find all the information you need there. Join us anytime for this year-long group program. We would love to have you. Boysalive.com slash decode. See you there. And now... I think you're going to love this conversation with our guest, Matthew Blades. If you don't go to work on your inner child, it'll work on you. Those are the words of Matthew Blades, who is today's On Boys guest. He's a radio DJ turned podcaster and a dad of boys, and I had the opportunity to hear him speak recently at a conference about school safety and mental health. And I sat up and paid attention pretty quickly when he mentioned self-sabotage, because I do that, and I'd never heard anybody else admit to that before. I didn't know that was something we talked about. I didn't know I wasn't the only one doing that. So then he talked about trauma and the opportunity to be a transitional character in your lineage And that's when I knew we needed to have him on the show. Listeners, you know that we spend a lot of time actually talking about how you, as the parents, need to deal with your stuff. It's not all about our boys. Our podcast is on boys, but we can't just focus on their behavior. We have to look at ourselves. So I invited Matthew to join us today to share his story and talk about 
how, how do we deal with our stuff so we can break these cycles of trauma, be our best selves and raise some great guys. Welcome, Matthew. Oh my God. I love that. That's incredible. Like it chills up and down my spine. If we can, if we can accomplish this today, I'm so excited. You know, it is easier to talk about than actually do in practice. And I'm sure you've experienced that in your own life as well. Yeah, it's hard, right? When we when we get to that point where we discover that there's been some story that's been running our show and it's probably been impacting every ounce of our lives. Uh, yeah, that is a difficult reality because then you're faced with this decision to do something about it or to ignore it. Uh, and for most of us, we choose B for as long as we can. And eventually it's going to sneak up and catch up to you. And uh, what, what I'm suggesting is that we get a little bit more proactive about this situation so that we can turn out the best version of ourselves and ultimately have the best kids. That's what we're all looking for. Right. You know, option B, ignore it. I don't know about you. I don't know about all of our listeners. I was taught to ignore it. It turns out I come from a mm. very long history of people who are like, don't look over there. Mm -mm, don't look over there. So I think that is a default for a lot of people. And then so many of us, we don't even know we have stuff until we're married, we have children, and then we're like, oh, oh, wait. Yeah, because when you're single and you're coming up and you're in college and you're doing that whole thing, you know, there's not many consequences to your actions. You get to be mm -hmm. wild and free. And that's kind of the benefit of being in your early 20s. Jen, one of the things that happened to me when I was 23 years old was my father passed away um, and he died in my arms of a sudden heart attack. And the story that I started to tell myself in those moments was that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't know enough, that I couldn't save him. And I carried that story with me for a long time. And here's the thing. It didn't really impact me because of what you just said. I was single. I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a wife. I got to kind of be willy nilly with the whole thing. If life got too hard, I could go get drunk one night. If life got too hard, I could, you know, get high one night. If, if, the, if the stuff got too difficult, I could disappear for a couple of days. No ramifications there. Right. You're not and responsible to anybody. That's it. And then you get married and you have kids. And that's when it got real for me, because um, as I write in my book, which will be out in a couple of months, I was born to be a dad. I know that in my whole heart. Since I was a little boy, I have wanted to be the parent to two kids so that I could get my hands around them and do things differently, do things my way. And I know that resonates with a lot of people who had a childhood where they'd wished many times something had happened that was different. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the thing is, that's all part of the story we tell ourselves. And we hang on to those things. And there's many people, including myself, that have held on to a toxic relationship for far too long, even with a family member. And I'm not suggesting that you kick your family to the curb, but what I am suggesting is that you have the difficult conversation to find out if you can get on the other side with this person. And then if you can, then there's healing. And then if you can't, there is healing because you know what, you know, what's going to come oh. next. And so, you know, that's, that's really the crux of what I want to encourage people to do is, you know, you're not alone, right? We, we've already proven that you and I had just had that talk. Um, but now you want to do something about it. Now you really want to not live with this feeling anymore. So how can we accomplish that? And uh, the biggest thing for me is have the conversation. You know, you said just a minute ago, if you can, and you can get to the other side of that conversation, great. And if you have the conversation and you don't get to the, you know, the other side or where you hope, it's still good. And it reminded me, I forget this all the time. I don't know about you, but I have to relearn lessons in life. And yes, constantly, I know that you have children, but I'm assuming you didn't physically birth those children as a woman who did, who did physically birth my children. There's this point, And maybe you saw it in labor right at the end where this is terrible. This really, really hurts. I do not want to do this anymore. Don't. And realizing only way out of this is through. I can, mm. I can try and hold back. I can avoid that pain. And that's just going to prolong things. And I try and remind myself of that when dealing with other difficult things, because you might think that you're helping yourself by avoiding this scary thing. Ultimately, you're just prolonging the pain. It's the truth. And 
And I'd like to go even deeper into this. And there's a lot of what I've come to learn over the last year about inner child work. And most of us have these marks coming up in our, in our childhood because it would be possible to meet every child's needs, right? We can accept that. Uh, but those marks along the way, they do leave their permanent marks on us. And unless we lean into kind of changing them, like I said to you, the inner child kind of runs you. And it's, it's the inner child at its finest who doesn't want any confrontation or conflict with anybody. It's the inner child that it's fast who feels awful for setting boundaries around their yeah. selves. You know, I mean, those are just two of the five things that experts agree on. And, and if we just kind of focus on those two areas and just say, okay, number one, I'm worth boundaries with my kids, with my spouse, with my job, with everything in my life, I'm worth boundaries. And then the other thing that I'm going to do is just get a little bit more involved in what they've got going on. I kind of put my energy into the situation a little bit, because what I have come to realize about myself is things start to go a little wonky when my energy isn't in the equation, because I, like you, have a tendency to get quiet and pull back. So, uh, and then I become a spectator, right? As I've been a youth, a youth hockey coach for 17 seasons. And I tell my kids when they're on the bench, I'm like, the way you're playing out there, you're just a spectator. You, you know what I mean? You're not doing yeah. really anything to help us here. You're just kind of with us. And um, I felt that way for, for a long time as a parent that I was just, I unplugged because I didn't really have the tools to move forward. That's the gist of it, right? That was my only toolbox was shut up and deal with it, you know, uh, uh, figure it out, uh, suck it up. Uh, that, that, was, that was the coping mechanism in my life growing up. And it's interesting for a lot of us, my motivation for beginning to deal with some of my stuff was I was a parent and I wanted better for my kids. It was interesting that initially it wasn't even, I want better for myself. I wanted better for my kids and that's messed up in its own way. Right. You know, again, prioritizing the happiness of others over myself. In the end, I think it doesn't much matter what the motivation is because ultimately like entire family systems, communities, the world can benefit from this work. It's the truth because I, you know, you heard me say in, in, in that day that you were all hanging out, you know, putting yourself first isn't selfish. It's the only way we ever get the best version of you. Um, and, and I'll tell you, it's interesting because I think every couple has an interesting dynamic, right? usually a saver in there and there's a spender in that relationship. There's somebody who wants to talk about everything and there's somebody who doesn't want to talk about anything. And I find that most, most relationships have that kind of going on. And I'll tell you that my wife is somebody who's really good at self-care. She's great at it. She's fantastic at getting her nails done, getting her hair done, going and getting her facials, going and taking care of herself. And I went through a period of time where I was self-sabotaging like crazy. And I would find myself getting angry at her for taking care of herself because I was thinking, I'm over here. I'm not feeling very good. Clearly, I've just got my head down and I'm doing all the work that I think I need to do. And, and, and you know, you're off getting a facial. And then what you have to recognize is she's the winner. She's got it figured out. She's putting herself first so I get the best version of herself, right? And that's a really neat thing to have in your house. Uh, and I'm... I'm trying to be more like that. I really am. I'm trying to be more like, hey, listen, I got something I need to do today. So I'm going to do it versus the alternative, which was I was always last. I know that resonates with a lot of our listeners. Your marriage was different than some in that we hear from a lot of our female listeners. You know, it's mom who feels like I am the martyr. I am doing everything. I am holding the family together and dad is off golfing or hunting or playing, you know, softball, whatever it is. And we try and remind our listeners that like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's yes, it's bad that you're murdering for your family, but dad doing his thing is healthy. And hearing the reverse in your marriage, I think may help some people appreciate that a little bit more. I'm happy to hear you say that folks are going to resonate with that because this is the part of the awakening that I think is starting to happen. And some of the work that I'm trying to do, which is, I know we all want to be great for our kids. I know we all want to work on our kids, do all the things for our kids. But I'm telling you that the moment that you work on yourself, that's really when you start working on your kids because what, you know, they're watching us, they're looking at yes. us, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out how to navigate this world. And if we shut down at every turn, we get angry. And if we get angry at every turn, when we don't know how to deal with an emotion, don't kid yourself. Your kids are going to grow up the exact same way. How they're old gonna... are your boys right now? So almost 16 and 13. 
Okay. So as a fellow parent of teenagers and young adults, having done this parenting thing for decades now, Mm -hmm. I am convinced that kids learn more just by watching us. I mean, I can lecture until I'm blue in the face. They don't care. They tune me out. They may hear some of it. It may come in later. Really, they learn from how we live our lives. And that's scary to think about sometimes. Yeah, they're watching, right? They're watching. I I say to people all the time, when when I was in survival mode, which is what I declare we're all in when we're self-sabotaging, right? When we're when we're put, not putting ourselves first on the list, we're self-sabotaging our world. And while I was surviving, everything around me suffers as a result. The relationship with your kids, the relationship with your wife, the relationship yep. that you have at work. And then here's something I didn't care about then, but I care a lot about now. I didn't, I wasn't taking care of myself yeah. like I deserve to be treated in those moments. That's wild. You know, I have this exercise. Everybody write down the, the top five most important people in their life. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad that? we're talking about this. Listen okay, to this. Cool. Listeners, I want you to do this. Do it while All you're right. listening. Do it while we're listening. So grab your phone, open up a note, and type in your five most important people in your life. And and usually it's, you know, it's friends and family. If you hate humans, I always joke you can put a dog on there. But um, really think about who those people are, the five most important people in your life. And, and if you just, uh, you know, hit the pause button right now until you come back with that list and then hit pause when you're when you're ready. Um, the question that I like to ask everybody at the end is, did you make your own list? Did your name even show up on the top five? And I and will mine admit didn't. mine. Nope. I mean, that was yours. Didn't either. Did it? Oh, hell no. Hell no. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got my husband on there. I've got some close friends. I have four kids, so I just consolidated them and I put kids. Um, I even put a number six and I put siblings, you know, and huh, yeah, never occurred to me that I should be on the list, which sounds Mm. dumb because I've heard that same oxygen face mask analogy a million times. A thousand times. Yeah. But this really does put it into perspective because you can see the names on the list. You can see, you can look down at that piece of paper, your note, and you can say, wow. And don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about switching a, a mode where you become, you know, completely selfish and you stop and you neglect everybody and stop taking care of everybody, the polar opposite. I'm suggesting the level of care and concern that you give to those five people on the list, you start to give to yourself and then start to notice the changes in your life because things happen. I tell everybody that for me, my anxiety showed itself in anger and I was a pretty anxious person. It's interesting because one of the things that we say on the podcast a lot is that's so true for many males, for our boys and our men, because the way you're often socialized as you're growing up, parents, school, other boys, that's the only acceptable emotion. It's not okay to say I'm scared. It's not okay to say I'm anxious. I think that's changing, but anger. It's a hard emotion. It's so easy, right? And I've, I've given so much thought on the subject of anger. Uh, and there's a great Buddhist uh, named Thich Nhat Hanh who wrote a book mm-hmm. called Anger. And it's a fantastic look at the emotion because here's where I'm at. Anger can be really useful in certain cases. It, it, it certainly has its time and its place. You know, when when you're when, when you're with somebody and they break a code, right? Whatever that is, they steal, they lie, they cheat, they do something against you. That anger is there for a good reason, right? Because that's telling you this is not the type of person I want in my life. Right. That's that's not the way to act. But what I was doing is a lot different, right? What I was doing was it was funny. I'd be driving home from work and I'd be sort of fine. And the moment I put my car in the park and, and, and walked in, it was like this, this switch flipped and I had to be angry dad. And I had to go in and bark orders and tell everybody what to do. And why isn't this done? And how come you haven't finished your homework? And why didn't you take the dogs for a walk? And um, that's just an awful way to present yourself to your children every single day for a long time. And I really had to figure out why I was doing that. Like, it's one thing to sit here and talk about, you know, all the things it's a, it's a really important conversation to figure out why does this keep happening? Because then you can stop it. Then you can unravel it when you understand why you're bringing that energy to the table all the time. That took my breath away when you said that, um, 
listeners, you know that usually we have our video on when we record. I turn mine off now because internet stuff. So Matthew, you didn't see that, but that was my dad coming Mm. home. That was my dad. And it was angry and it was scary. And I felt like it was my job to make it better, which is part of my stuff. Right. Um, we all have our stuff. So let's say this is resonating with our listeners and they're like, okay, this is hitting way too close to home. Right. I'm uncomfortable here. I'm going to turn this off. What do we do? What do we do next? Like, how do we it's scary to think about even untangling this because most of us have been living in the survival mode for a very long time. Certainly. Well, so the first part is after you discover, right? So that, that first bit is about, okay, there's a situation. There's something here that I want to work on. Mm-hmm. Next is about ownership. And I think you have to hit ownership from two places. You have to say, what is my role in this whole thing? What did I do as a result of the way that I was thinking, acting, believing all of those things? And then who do I need to make it right with? Um, This is something that we do not do enough of in our world is this easy thing called making amends. And uh, that is a really powerful tool. And you can do this through conversation. You can do it through writing, but either way you need to communicate the words. And so let me tell you a story about ownership. So I just told you how I was with my boys for a couple of years. And Mm -hmm. as, as fate would have it, my crash day was July 12th. That's when I went into the hospital for my final panic attack. And then four days later, I checked myself into a mental and spiritual holistic retreat. And uh, the Saturday that I was there just happened to be my son's 15th birthday. I could have um, allowed myself to feel really bad about that situation. And the fact that I wasn't there, but in my head, the way that I spun that thing was, this is the greatest gift that I can possibly give my child right now is to go and work on myself so that I can be a better dad for him. And when I came home from my retreat, my wife was at work. My two boys were at home and I I got out of my truck and I walked and they both walked out into the garage and they both had tears in their eyes because, Mm. you know, they, they'd known that I was, I went away to work on some really difficult things. And the hardest part as a dad was I had to sit down and tell them, all the things. Oof. I love you. That anger you felt had nothing to do with you. There was never a moment you needed to fix. There was never a moment that was about you. And really walk them through that whole thing until I felt like, I get emotional thinking about it right now, but mm-hmm. until I felt like we were at a good place where um, they didn't see their dad as this monster anymore. And, and they, they saw him as just somebody who really genuinely wanted to be in their life, just didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't think, I know the, the action that I took to go and work on myself and try to be a better communicator with my wife and my family paves the way for my own children to do that same thing one day. Mm-hmm. And I like the message that it sends, which is if you don't have all the tools, go find somebody who does. Right. Yeah, just go find somebody who does. So to answer your question, it's ownership and it's amends. So those are the first two things that I think people have to really dial in and think about. Who do I need to say I'm sorry to? And then what is my role in all of this thing as I have been acting up? And 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 then own that, set that down. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, We use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes, He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a Right. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, 
bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. And the thing is, you know, is that you've been choosing to carry the thing. Right. That's that's a choice you have made consciously myself. Uh, I'll just speak of myself. Right. I chose consciously to carry my dad's death with me for another 20 years. I made that choice to carry that moment with me. Uh, you know, and I have this T-shirt on. This is, a, you know, a bad day, not a bad life. Mm. And and we forget that we, we forget that all the time is that we can have a bad 10 minutes. It doesn't have to ruin our day. Was we that a conscious a- decision to carry it for another 20 years? I mean, 23 year old you. Certainly you felt responsible. You felt all these things. And that's, I mean, I think that's a very human response as a 23 year old who literally watched your father collapse and die in front of you. And you felt helpless. Yeah. I don't imagine that 23 year old you thought I need to feel bad about this every day for the rest of my life. No, I'll tell you what happened was for me, the trajectory of my life was one in which I was entering my radio career at the same time. And so I was really able to pour and funnel all of that energy into my career. Okay. And um, that's, yeah, that's exactly, such a stereotypical dad guy thing too, isn't it? It is. It is such a stereotypical thing. And the truth of the matter is that I actually did go to a little bit of therapy after that, that, that episode with my dad, because I recognized the magnitude of that situation. Um, but then I used the word choice because I have to own that, you know, I mean, for as many years as I didn't work on it or didn't want to figure it out, I, I was making that choice. Okay. And I knew full well that there was stuff, right? I, that, like, I think I said that when I talked to you guys, I like, think hey, everybody's aware of their demons. If you have any skeletons in the closet, you know what they are. <laughs> There's you, nobody listening who doesn't have a skeleton right. in the closet. Nobody. Right. Like, you know what it is. And so the, it's just like, for me, it's like, stop acting like a child, the inner child. That's how I yeah. phrase that and work on it. Go to work on that inner child, make those, make the move to heal those inner child wounds. And then here's the most important thing that I can say on the podcast today. You have to understand this. It's never going away. It's never going away. There's not going to be, there's not ever going to be a time in your life moving forward. It doesn't enter your thought capacity at some point or on some level now you just have tools to deal with it. Now you don't get angry when you're anxious. You go sit and you have a meditation for 20 minutes and you ground yourself in truth and you recognize where you're at in life and what's happening for real and not what's happening in your fantasy land that you've made up, up mm. uh, in your brain. Um, because that's the thing about anxiety, right? You, you, you're often way ahead of the situation. Uh, and and that's what makes you anxious. You're, you're over there instead of right here. We talk and, about that so often because with our boys, especially as they yeah. are becoming teenagers, right? We do so much future projection. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't do his homework. Therefore, he is going to be a failure. He's never going to get a job. He's not going to go to college. He's going to be an irresponsible person. I need right. to solve this problem right now. There it is. Ah. Well, you just summed up every parent in the world, didn't you? Yep. Yep. Um, so what I hear you saying is that maybe in that instance, you know, yelling at my son is not the most helpful thing. Maybe I should take a few moments and breathe and do some work to deal with that fear in my head. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is it's not your homework, is it? It, it, It's, it's their homework and they need to be responsible about it. And uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, uh, I'm in favor of being a friend is what I'm trying to spit out. Right. Like, um, my buddy, Troy has this expression, which I love, which is parent with don't parent on. And a lot of us work on our kids, but what, what he's suggesting is that we parent with our kids. And so you become a teammate and, and, and if you can make that switch, it's very different, right? When you, when you look at the relationship that you have currently with your kid with regard to homework or any other difficult situation, it's really, it's tough to navigate that space because you're coming from one place, they're coming from another. Yeah. But if, you're, if you guys are teammates in this journey and if you're working with each other, you just naturally are going to use different words. You're, sure. you're not going to bring the same energy to the situation of you have to get this done. You're going to be more gentle, which is what can I do to help you get this done? That's a yeah. big difference to a kid. Yes. So 
It, it is, right? And so how many times, it's one of the things that I'm really challenging myself with is how can you be a teammate more? How can, because you, you know that the, the relationship is evolving, right? They're 13 and almost 16 now. Um, there's less words. There's more emotions. There's more quiet time. There's more want to be with your friends and want to be with yep. mom and dad. And so more than ever, it's going to be important that um, if I want to have a relationship long term with my kids, that I'm, I, I start to learn how to work with them a little bit more. So I'm working on that right now. Absolutely. So for you, some of this did start with uh, really taking some time away to work on yourself. Um, that may or may not be possible for all of our listeners. Uh, what would be your advice for some first steps for a listener who's like, okay, I got some stuff. I don't even know where to start in terms of dealing with my stuff. I want to say first up that I know a lot of people feel like they can't take time. I know a lot of people feel like they don't have the capacity to get this done. And, and listen, it may be challenging uh, to, to do this, but I, I like to share this story, right? I had, I, I was a morning show host at a radio station. That entire radio station was built around me. There wasn't a sales package out on the street sure. that didn't have my name on it, my picture on it. The radio station said my name 400 times a day. Every promo had my name in it. And I was still somebody who said, I think I have to take a break from this for a little while. And I say that only because I think all of us have the ability to take some time, truly to take some time. I think it's the worthiness in our head that says you're, you, you, you don't get to go do that. But I implore you to use the three most powerful world words on the planet, which is I need help. If you say those three words to your boss, to your coworkers, to your spouse, people want to help. They genuinely want to step in and be a part of your healing journey. And if they don't, they're not the right person anyways. You know, so chop it. This gets a little bit to the stigma and the social messages we're surrounded with too, because if I say I have cancer, yes, everybody understands that I need some time and support surgery, chemo casseroles, right? Like no yes. matter how busy my life is, I am going to go deal with this cancer because otherwise it can kill me. That's right. This is really similar, but we don't necessarily prioritize it the same way. Yeah. I really believe though, that we're not effective communicators. That's one of the things that yeah. we do wrong. We don't use the right words. Um, we're not excellent communicators and, you know, and let's face it when, when somebody's at their end, what's probably coming out of their mouth is something like, I can't handle this. I hate everything around me. I'm just ready for a change. Right. Nobody wants to help that person out. That's just, yeah, that's just that's venom. True spinning yes. and, and being crazy. But I'm telling you, and what I tell my boys is, if you approach a conversation from a loving place and you set down the venom that you've been choosing to hang on to, the conversation sounds different. Now you go to your boss and you say, I have been trying to deal with this myself. I've, been, I've tried almost everything I know how to do. But the truth of the matter is, I think I have to take a week off and I have to go work on myself. If you still hear no, that's a monster in front of your face and they don't need to be in your life anyways, mm -hmm. because a human will have that reaction. A human will say, oh yeah, yeah, she does need to go work on a couple mm -hmm. of things. Go for it. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's the conversation that I, uh, that I really encourage people to have is more honest, more from, more from your heart. Don't bring all the venom. Don't talk about how crappy it is and how you're at your wits end because I learned this in therapy. You, you, you we're either happy or sad. Right. And when you boil life down to those two emotions, right. it really does become a lot easier to operate. You, you think about like all of the things that are attached to themselves in the happiness spectrum and all the things that are attached to themselves in the sad spectrum. And for example, when you get angry, you're really just sad. You really are. You're mm -hmm, sad that it worked mm -hmm. out a certain way. And so what I'm asking you to do is use that language, right? Instead of saying, God bless America, why can't we get this done? It's more like, man, it makes me sad inside when I ask you to do something and you just ignore me. I don't, I don't know where that's coming from. That's a different conversation and one that gets a different reaction. Uh, and so being good with your words is, is probably the first thing that I would suggest you do. And that comes with getting aware and discovering your story and figuring out actually what's going on too.
You asked me a question about like, what's the next steps? Yeah. I always think the next steps are talking to somebody unless you really feel like the, you have people around you who can handle this. And, and, and listen, some people can. I'm not a therapist, but I can hold space for somebody like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. I can sit with somebody and they will tell me their life story within 10 minutes. It's just how I've been wired. Uh, and so if you have somebody like that in your life, I think you need to use them, lean on them, talk to them, communicate your feelings. And I promise as soon as you utter the words, oh, my God, it's so hard right now. What do I do? It's already going to start to feel easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You also said something in Arizona that I've been thinking about a lot, still struggling to put into practice. But practice is a thing, right? Practice mm-hmm. means over time you work on something. You talked about um, how it is my responsibility to create structure in my life, my responsibility to make sure I, and this sounds so dumb, my responsibility to make sure I eat, I sleep, I move. Talk about that a little bit because so many of our listeners, so many of us as humans, we let all that go because we're focused on our kids, our spouses, our jobs. That's the truth, right? And then the first part of that is, do you matter enough to even do it? Take care of yourself. You know, is are are you brave enough to go and exercise today? Do you have enough courage to, you know, put some structure in your own life? Do you have enough courage to keep a journal about your real thoughts? You and know, you these know, are, I want to interrupt for a minute just because please. I know for me, one of the ways where in which this fell apart, and this may be true for more people than me, which is why I'm sharing it, the pandemic. I mean, I lost so much of the structure I had built into my life. I had a regular routine where I did a certain class at the gym Monday and Wednesday night. Well, that fell apart. You know, my kids had school and they had sports. And because they had sports, I had those built in things. And there was so much. It just gradually happened. It's that um, that parable or story about the frog in the boiling water. You don't notice it right away. I'm so fortunate. I work from home. I I do all these things already. Well, two plus years in, I've lost all my structure. And I'm like, the idea of building it back in is overwhelming. It's daunting, right? Yeah, because the structure came so easily before and it made sense. And now you like when I when I hear you say those words, the only word that is in my head is opportunity. That's all I'm thinking about as you're describing that. I'm thinking, well, okay, yeah, now you have a real opportunity to structure your day and your life the way you want it to. Somebody, the pandemic, has dismantled that. So Mm -hmm. what do you want it to look like? And I'll admit very, very um, transparently here, the structure is the one thing in my life that I'm having the hardest time with. Because for me, as a morning show radio personality for all those years, I gave my mornings away. There wasn't a morning in 15 years that belonged to me. Uh, from the moment I got up at 3.15 in the morning, it was about my audience and it was about what do they need? And then, you know, it was such a relentless job that I, I was exhausted most of the day after. And I just sure. didn't have anything else to give anybody. And so you too, you had to build it for yourself. Once yeah. that morning show went away, you're like, oh, now what? Now what? Right. Do you want to work out? Do you want to eat right? Do you want to meditate in the day? Yes to all three. Okay. What does wow. that look like? Right. Start putting that into your plan because now it's re- now it's broken down and you can rebuild it the way you want it to. And, and you're right. It is very, very difficult. But I will tell you that at every turn, my lack of ability to make a good decision for myself all resulted from inner child wounds, not feeling valued, not feeling the benefit, not feeling like I deserved any of this, this stuff because I'm a dad now whose job it is to take care of these guys and you know be a good husband, be a good friend, be all the things. Again, I just go back to when when you take care of yourself, you're the best version for everybody else. And do you think you're worth it? Do you think you deserve it? And if you don't, I want you to spend some time with why. I'm dealing with this right now with my best friend in the whole world. He's got some real worth issues. Mm-hmm. And this is what we are talking about, right? And 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 like a lot of people people. He's successful. You know, he's got a lot of things going in his life that are great, but some things happen in his childhood that are in adulthood, making him question his worthiness. Mm -hmm. And so it's neat that he can make that tie. At least he knows where it's coming from because now we're working together on kind of talking those things out. But if you're not taking care of yourself and and listen, there is a whole list of self-care, right? You have physical, 
You have lifestyle, there's mental and emotional, there's social support, there's spiritual connections. And all of those things, as you mentioned, that I mentioned, are your responsibility. That's why it's called self-care. It's not spouse care. It's not kid care. It is the things that are your responsibility to take care of. And so you you're know, right. I, yeah, I think ahead. some of that got lost in recent years. And we've, we've talked about this totally. on the podcast before because self-care kind of became branded as facials and manis and petties and bubble totally. baths. And those things are great. And I love all of them. But what we really mean is taking care of yourself, giving yourself the things that your body and brain need to function. I'm not even talking about thriving is great, but we're really talking even baseline to function. Oh, I love that you said that because that's what we need to get to is just the basics. You think about uh, I always said to my teams, because I, I think I mentioned I coached hockey, yeah. and I say the difference between a great team and a good team is that the great team does the fundamentals perfectly. They don't mess up the fundamentals. The, oh. the, the foundational work is excellent. That's what a great, that's the difference between a good and a great team. They don't mess up the basics. And um, we could learn from that. We could say to ourselves, because we do, like you said, we get so busy and there's so much to do. And we have three and four kids and they all have their activities and you're running around. And before you know it, you haven't looked inward one time all week long. And that's terrifying. So how can you get to a point where you start to look inward more and you start to ask yourself, what do I need? I'll tell you, when you don't make your list, you don't ask that question, right? No. Yeah. You don't ask that question. So self-care is one of those things. And let me give you some examples because I think this is helpful, right? But exercise, nutrition, water, touch. Those are four things physically that we all need. Exercise. How much movement do you have every single day? What is the food that you're putting into your body? Are you, are you eating things that are healthy for you? Or are you eating things that are, you know, just grab and go and listen, that choice to not meal prep and plan ahead, that's self-sabotage. That's you not thinking you're worth it enough to say on a Sunday night, I'm going to make five meals for myself that are healthy. I both hate and love hearing you say that you said that my first thought was, oh shit. Right. (laughs) Because you're right. You're right. When I was doing meal planning, yes, I was happier. I was more content. I didn't have that hanging over my head. You know, it fell apart. You get out of the habit, blah, blah, blah. It's impossible. Life's too busy you're right. You're absolutely right. But then don't beat yourself up about it. Just jump back in. Right. Don't Now don't. That's the challenge there. There it is. For so many of us, don't beat yourself up about it because you can get stuck at that stage for, for years. Well, and probably because coming up, people made you feel guilty for having your own thoughts. That certainly was my truth. Oh. Uh, people made you feel shame for having your own thoughts. And so you, th- now you acknowledge that is like, okay, I'm feel. Uh, why do I feel bad about this? Oh yeah, because when I was a kid, people made me feel bad for having my own thoughts. Okay, that's stupid. I moved on. I'm done. I've set that thing down, uh, and now I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to care what anybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. That's what we. That's to me the crux of what when people use that language. Don't care what anybody else says. I I, I almost cringe because I hate that like so much. I I want us to care more about you know, what other people think. I think that's one of the things we've lost in our world <laughs> Amen. is caring about what other people Amen. think. And I'm not saying we do it at, at our own demise, but my God, we have to, we have to be humans and look around and, and try to find somebody who's thinking like we are and acting like we are. What are we doing? Paying attention to what you need. My, it's just so important. And you don't have to do it all the time and obsess about it, but you do have to look at it. And if you don't mind, I'd like to continue with a couple of other points, Yeah, which is your lifestyle. And you and I just talked about structure, and, and that's one of those things that people have to put back into their lives. But did you also realize that music, humor, setting goals, time management, these are also your responsibility. These are things mm-hmm. that healthy, happy people have in their lives. They've got great boundaries, not walls. They've got great structure in their life. They're working towards a goal. And we've all been there. We've all had moments of that greatness, right? We've all had moments where I call it green light. It feels good when we were in those moments. It feels good. And then something happens and we fall out of it. And then it seems impossible for so many people. That's right. Doesn't it? And and that's such the truth is that you fall off that bike and it feels like, how am I ever going to get back on? 
Um, and, and, and the truth of the matter is probably we go a little too hard yeah. uh, out of the gate. We try to fix too many things at once. Yes. And, and, you know, that's why, you know, it's, it's best to say, well, pick, pick a couple of things. And if you haven't been moving in a while then just make it, make it a point every day, you're just going to get up and walk and don't make it any harder than that. Don't say, I got to go to the gym and I got to join a class and you know I got to lose 20 pounds. Just make it about the walk because Really what you, you get to in this work that I've done is that you realize that we're all on a journey. We're all just walking each other home. And if we can lend a hand to our friend and our neighbor, it doesn't have to be so hard. But especially with boys, we're taught to grow up and do it ourselves. And yes. um, we are just kind of a creature who's a little bit isolated. And, and, and I'm speaking stereotypically, but I think that's fairly accurate. A lot of guys have this attitude of I got to go at it myself. Yep. I, I don't need anybody else's help. And that's um, that's a scared mindset as I've come to learn. That's about as that's about as fearful as you can get is to say, I have to do this by myself. And we've seen where that can lead. It's no yeah. secret. I mean, the suicide rate mm. for boys boys younger than 10 for teenagers, uh, the suicide rate for middle-aged and older men is crazy. You know, it is so high and so much higher than it should be and could be if only we all made it more okay to say, I'm not okay. Yeah, I'm not okay. I need help. Absolutely. You're so right. Adolescent visits to the ER at 40% since 2018. Sit on that number. If you're in a classroom and there's 20 kids, 11 yeah. of them are going to the emergency room today because they can't handle what's going on in their head. They're too busy. They're too anxious. They're too depressed. They're all of the things as a result of their environmental factors, and they can't get a grip on it. And that's, as you said, the pandemic has exposed this for sure, a lot of people, sure. right? We, we had our rhythms and we had the way we did things. And so many of us, including myself, were on what I call autopilot and smile. Yep. We were just doing the work. Um, and then the pandemic came and it said, oh, yeah, you think you've got it figured out, do you? Uh, and, and all of us have been forced to reshuffle and, and reshake up what this thing looks like. But like I said, again, or earlier, we have an opportunity. You have yeah. an opportunity here to teach your kids coping mechanisms, to teach yourself coping mechanisms, to put the things into your life that you ultimately uh, want. You know, for me, it was my career. My career was draining me and it wasn't where I wanted to be anymore. As great and as sexy as that job was, I just didn't have it in me to do it every day. And I'm not joking when I say a little piece of me died every time I had to get up and go to work. Yeah. Uh, and what do you think the cumulative effect, effect of that is going to be on, uh, on somebody? Yeah. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure that out. And then how do you think I'm going to operate around my wife and my kids and my family and my friends when I'm not happy and I feel like I'm dying inside? So on. one of the things, because I am, I'm a busy mom, I have four kids and you know what? Yes. Two of them are out of the house right now. They're still my mm -hmm. kids who need my attention. They still, sure. they need stuff. I am a busy mom. It's overwhelming to think of all the things I have to do. So one of the things that listeners have heard me say many times, I love like two for one things. I love doing one thing, but it's helping all these things. And when we talk about our kids and our cool. mental health, it's not that we just need to pay attention to our boys and deal with the mental crisis, mental health crisis in our boys. If I take care of my mental health, that is helping my boys. It's helping other boys. So listeners, it's not that you need to do this and this and this and this. It can be so much more simple than that. We had a guest on recently talking about nature and the importance of nature and time. I was just going to say that. Right? Go out together, go out as a family into nature and watch what, watch what happens. It's magic. It's one thing that can do so many things. It can be as simple as take your cup of coffee outside in the morning and drink it. Start there. It's true. Start She's not there. lying, everybody. She's not lying, everybody. That's such an it's such a little thing. I do it every day. I drink my coffee outside now. But what a change in my life. I connect. I hear the birds. I feel the wind. I see the sun. I see the old moon from the night before. And there is something that happens in nature that is incredibly beneficial to us. There's there's no way around it. So you're a rock star for mentioning that. It's a great two for one. Listeners, what I want you to take away from this, though, is 
you don't have to do all the things. Start with one little thing and take care of yourself and then see how you feel. And then as that becomes a habit, you can build on that. You don't have to make this hard. It doesn't have to be on top of all these other things you do. You can find ways to integrate it into your life in small ways, involve your children. What other advice do you have for people who might, you know, want to make a change, but be overwhelmed at that thought? Yeah, I just believe in my heart that people are overwhelmed because they don't think that they're worth doing the work. I think that's what overwhelms people. They sit there. I did it myself. You yeah. sit there and you go, oh my God, if I do this whole thing that I've got to take time off of work and then my coworkers are going to have a thing and my bosses and then my wife and then all of the, oh, it, that's what's overwhelming. And I, I want you to just put one foot in front of the other, like you said, just focus on hunger for the next two weeks. Just focus on movement for the next two weeks. Just put a little piece of self-care back into the puzzle. And then the other thing that's critical, that's so important, is you just have to work on your self-talk. And mm -hmm. when, when it comes and it creeps in that you don't have the time or the energy to do this thing today for you, understand that that's the inner child critic talking, right? That's somebody else's voice and that you're wiser, you're older now, and you're going to make a good decision. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story on how I think this is, this is done. When we experience trauma, say you're nine years old and you have a traumatic moment, the psychiatric people that I've talked to say that that mark gets um, etched like, an, like a record. And so it's on our permanent record. It's mm -hmm. never going away. We have to learn to live with the sound of our record. That's eventually what it's going to be. And so what when you institute little pieces of self-care in, and that means like shutting down that inner child critic, that's a thing. Uh, the lesson that I learned was, okay, so if you're nine years old and you experience a bit of trauma, you're going to operate with that operating system and all the moments that look, uh, taste and touch and feel just like it. Mm -hmm. Um, if you learn to deal with the, you know, some level of, of abuse at that age, all of the moments that feel tense like that, that's going to be your operating system. And so you recognize that. And you say, okay, that's the operating system of me, the nine-year-old. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. I'm going to just put this right here. Now there's me, the 48-year-old, the wise man right here who's in this body, in this physical mind right now, who mm -hmm. knows better, who knows better and knows that this is just a scared decision. This is a fear-based decision. Mm -hmm. This is a nine-year-old talking. My 48-year-old brain knows better. And I'm starting to become more confident operating from the 48-year-old brain and not allowing that inner child to run me anymore. Because all of those decisions where you don't matter come from that inner child wound. So if you just understand that and you know it's going to creep in, I mm -hmm. promise you it's going to creep in. You're going to start to work on yourself and it's going to feel selfish. Shut that voice down. Mm -hmm. That voice is just, it's nonsense. Working on yourself is the most important thing. I've said it a hundred times in this podcast. And, and that's the thing. If it feels overwhelming, start small and just tell yourself every day that you matter enough to do this. You really are going to be the best mom. You're going to be the best dad. Mm -hmm. Your kids' relationships, they're going to change as a result of doing this work, because you will do that thing I mentioned earlier, which is you will start to work with your kids and not on your kids. You used the word journey before that we're mm. all on this journey and we're all walking together. And this is where your podcast comes in. Your podcast is learned from people who lived it. None of us have a perfect life. Yeah. So tell us about your podcast, where people can find it and what people can, can learn, take away and contribute to that. Yeah. It's a lot of what we're dealing with right now, right? It's just getting somebody on, on the uh, podcast and talking to them about the trauma that they experienced in their lives. So um, I'm just looking at my list of people. We started off this uh, series too with Topher. Uh, Topher was a guy whose mom um, tried to kill herself on his 16th birthday. Uh, she failed. She failed. She went to the hospital. She escaped the hospital. She left his life for five years. She comes back into his life. It's a complete mess. His brother ends up killing himself. Uh, mom ends up taking her own life. You can imagine the impact that that is going to have on a child, right? Oh, yeah. 
And so one of the things that's neat about learn from people who lived it is that you walk somebody through that journey. And these are people that have just had that, right? This is something that has happened a while ago, so they can kind of speak about it differently. And my buddy, Dr. Frank Bavacqua, who's a clinical psychologist, sits in there with me. And we just talk about the moments. We talk about what they were experiencing coming up. Um, one of my favorite episodes is Leanne from this series. Uh, you met suicide a few minutes ago. Her son was 16 when he killed himself. Um, and, and there was a lot to learn from Leanne's episode. When you sit down with a mom and you say, what did you, what did you learn from this moment? Mm -hmm. Inevitably, everybody else who's got a teenager who's struggling is going to learn something from those moments. Yes. And, you know, uh, one of the most powerful things that we learn, you, you talk about the, the epitome of what this, this podcast is about. I learned the most powerful thing from, from Leanne, whose son was 16, and he completed suicide. That's how she takes it. And she says, for me, when I think about my son, Andy, right now, what I go to is him on the pitcher's mound at a game where all the scouts were watching him and he blew it out of the water. So for her, her tool is that when Andy's name comes up, that's where she goes. She doesn't allow herself to go to Oh, he died, he, you know, this, the body mm -hmm. bag, all of the stuff. She doesn't allow herself to go to that place anymore. She goes to a, a great spot with regard to Andy. And that tool alone has helped so many people. So many people have learned from that tool. And they have said, you know, because I used it for my own self with my dad. I thought, well, it's very easy for me to sit here and think about the day on the deck. But why? I think about the day in the backyard when my dad and I were throwing the ball at each other as hard as we possibly could to try to hurt each other's hands and laughing our asses off the whole time. Yeah. Like, why can't that be my dad memory? My dad memory doesn't need to be the one on the deck where the heart attack went down and all of the things. I love that. I, it's such a simple thing, but that's what we learn from people who lived it. And all the stories are different. You know, everything from suicide to cancer to you know, worthiness to your father mm -hmm. passing away to, I mean, you, you name it. And folks have come on to share their journeys uh, through this podcast. And then in the hope that they connect with other people and they make others feel like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. Somebody our, else is doing this too. Our stories are different. The, the particulars are different. Our stuff is a little bit different, but we all have challenges. We all have things that happen to us. And what I hope people take away from this today is that despite this stuff, we have power, we can be resilient, we can work to create lives that serve us, that are satisfying to us. And in the process, this is really good for our boys too. take some time, focus on yourself, try maybe here's a challenge for listeners try for the next week to take your mental energy and focus on yourself and what you need. Like when you find yourself obsessing over what you think your son needs to do or isn't doing, try and pull away from that and try and focus on yourself. Just try it for a week. If you can only do a couple of days, that's fine. It's better than not doing it and just see what happens. I would love to hear from you um, how this changes your life and your relationship with your son. Yeah, listen, and, and here's a really easy way to do it. Steal this from me. I go almost everything that I have to do in my life now. I show up 20 or 30 minutes early and I sit in my car and I have a little meditation. Um, it's one of the easiest components that I've added to my life. I literally, no matter what I have on my calendar, I show up 30 minutes early. I'm in the parking lot. I'm sitting in my truck for 10 or 15 minutes having me time. And then I walk into those meetings and crush them. I walk into every situation after that. And I'm so lucid. I'm so, I have so much clarity about what's getting ready to go down in there that it's really been helpful. And just giving myself 20 minutes a day, which sounds like a lot, but really isn't, uh, has turned out to be a, a real big game changer for me because the result of meditation is that it improves your decision making and it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself, right? And your anxiety goes down. There's so many benefits to, to having that sit. So that's a really easy one for me that people can steal and, and use. Just get there a little bit early and have a few minutes for yourself. 
I love that. Mm. Obviously, we could keep talking for a very long time. We've already gone over what we usually do, but I think this was really, really useful. Tell us the name of your podcast again and where people can find more of your work, what you've got going on, because I think people may want more. Yeah, great. Well, learn from people who lived it is the podcast. It's available wherever you find your podcasts. We're on all the socials and YouTube and, and all of the different places that you can find our podcast. And we're just in our second series now. So uh, each series involves nine stories that are very different, sprinkled with some uh, really cool content in between. We have uh, some regular contributors on the podcast, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a healer, and all of these folks kind of drop on by and talk about their things sure. and talk about how we can be better humans. Thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your heart and your journey. I know that this is going to help a lot of people. Yeah, it is, right? And and I really appreciate you having the conversation. And let me just end the way I always end every talk I give, which is you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You just need to step into your life's purpose more. So do that. You're worth it. Wow, powerful conversation with Jen and Matthew Blades. Always appreciate Jen for taking over when I can't be there. And I hope, listeners, you will take at least one part of this into your practice, into your week, into your day. Powerful, powerful stuff. Remember to Building Boys Bulletin, buildingboys.net. Click that subscribe button and decoding your boys, less yelling, more connecting. Isn't that what it's all about? More connection with yourself, with your boys. Boysalive.com slash decode. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. I'm Janet Allison, boysalive.com, and Jennifer L.W. Fink, buildingboys.net. If you found value in this episode, please share it with your family, share it with your kids, share it with a friend. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.